0: Um, I'll, I'll call the Colombian up and pitch that for you. Okay. We'll make (laughs) it. Welcome to the exploring Washington state podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. Well, welcome back to this episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. My guest today is Micah Rice. Micah is the, well, your LinkedIn says you're the sports editor at the Columbian, but it also says that you're the news editor. So Micah, why don't you tell my listeners... About you. <laughs> let's let's just go that way.
1: <laughs> Current sports editor, former news editor, which actually is a bit of a misnomer. What I, what I actually did was manage the copy desk and kind of guide our transition from being grammar police and sticklers over style to more uh, managing uh, the content on the, uh, the website. And so uh, uh, that okay. uh, after that transition, uh, I've always uh, uh, loved sports. And when the opportunity came to rejoin my roots uh, in the sports department there at the Columbia, I um, uh, jumped at it. And uh, uh, other than that, just in, in that perpetual uh, wonderment of, will this be the year the Mariners finally make the playoffs?
0: <laughs> oh, you had to go there right away, didn't you? I...
1: I, uh, I did. I saw an anecdote yesterday. Obviously, uh, Sue Bird got an amazing send-off sendoff uh, on her final uh, home game at with the Seattle Storm. I saw someone mentioned that between the Mariners uh, last making the playoffs, uh, Sue Bird managed to fit a 21 year professional basketball career in.
0: That's, that's painful. All right. Yes. So we're going to, we're going to stop. I'm going to get your background, but let's, let's talk Mariners for a second. Yes. Um, put you on the spot. Are they going to, are they going to make the playoffs this year?
1: I believe this is the year and uh, call me a Pollyannish optimist, but um, uh, I, I just think the moves they've made and not standing pat and especially the Luis Castillo uh, acquisition Um yeah, it, it they they really I believe have the tools to survive that wild card uh, chase. Are they as good as the Astros? No, are uh, they? Uh, uh, you know, who who knows what's going to happen once you get in the postseason. But just making it, I think, and having baseball be relevant in August and September for us long suffering Mariners fans is a treat.
0: Should they have gotten Soto? Should they have fr- mortgaged the future? Uh,
1: I would say no, because you—I I don't think you can keep what whatever kind of um, group they're trying to build there, and if you up your franchise or bankrupt your farm system, and uh, uh, I think being able to make three or four good acquisitions over the course of a year is probably more effective than one blockbuster acquisition. And so I think, even though, yeah, Suarez Winker, I'd, you'd like to see their batting averages a little higher. Uh, I love the Carlos Santana <laughs> acquisition. It looked like what he's done to that. You know, it, it was amazing when he joined the you know, the the team. Really came together and kind of put their early season struggles behind. Not just for what he's done on the on the field, but also in the clubhouse. And then I just think that Castillo uh, acquisition is the missing piece to, uh, put their that rotation in a position to have a real strong finish in the, you know, down the home stretch.
0: Did they overpay for Castillo?
1: I don't think so. No, I think that's, that's a move you got to make young arm electric stuff. Yeah. You know, you have Robbie Ray <laughs> and that you, so you basically have an ace and a one, a, or, uh, you know, an a and a one a at the top of that rotation.
0: Well, and Gilbert's Gilbert's an interesting arm, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't disagree with potential. anything you're saying. I, I'm just sitting here and as, as a long suffering Mariners fan, <laughs> I would have preferred to see them bring back Roberto Clemente, Mickey Mantle, and you know Don Drysdale. It just guarantee us a playoff. Please guarantee us a playoff victory. Get us into the you know. It's not even get us into the world, yes, get us into the world series. Just get us back to the American League Championship Series. That would seem uh, like a uh that would put a lot of that would put a lot of fans in the seats and do a and do a lot to bring back, you know, Mariner Mania. Um I used to work down by the by the ballpark in ninety-five and Do you remember in 95, you know, about this time in 95, they were, they were not relevant and then they went on a run and that downtown Seattle was electric. And I would love to see that happen again.
1: I was a freshman at the university of Puget sound in Tacoma that year. And uh, I remember kind of momentum building and then uh, that Yankees series uh, being in the basement of uh, the dormitory I lived in at my freshman year with probably about 20 other people. And when uh, Edgar hit that double and Griffey comes tearing around third and slides head first in and they win, Mm -hmm. it was was a mosh pit in front of the television down there. I've I've never seen seen a team kind of captivate uh, a, a community like that Mariners team did. And obviously you have the Seahawks that kind of followed that and and uh, w- when they were winning Super Bowl or the Super Bowl, it was, uh, you know, it, they captivated the whole. C- but but that was the first time I had really experienced that. And so, uh, I, you know, 20 plus years of hurt after that. I mean, <laughs> it's just the price to pay for getting hooked at that age.
0: No, we've we've paid way more. I mean, it, what really hurt was in 2001, 116 wins and then and then out that that was yeah. that was bitterly painful because that was an amazingly yes. talented team too. Anyway, well, like I warned you, we kind of go down rabbit holes when we have these conversations. So <laughs> what we were trying to do is find out a little bit about you. And now we've talked about the Mariners. So you went to UPS, where did you, uh, before UPS, where'd you grow up?
1: I grew up in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, so okay. obviously, uh, uh, Northwest sky full and through and through, um, uh, once I, uh, Eugene was a great place to grow up, following the Oregon Ducks. Uh, uh, father was a professor at University of Oregon, uh, ran the geology department there for um, a while. And uh, I decided I wanted to be rebellious and leave, uh, leave the nest. And so uh, head up north to Tacoma, where um, uh, it wasn't long before I figured out I wanted to go into sports journalism. And uh, the... I believe it was the end of my sophomore year, maybe beginning of my junior year, the News Tribune had uh, an opening for a part-time uh, position and kind of just answering phones and, you know, taking scores in their sports department and uh, got in there. And um, it's like it wasn't long before my uh, uh, opportunities at the newspaper to write and, and uh, uh, delve into the reporting went up and my grades went down. <laughs> my senior right, so year, I, I cu- kind of knew what I of wanted kind of okay. what I
0: wanted to do <laughs> so I got a couple of questions out of all that Sure. Oregon Ducks fan and I probably should have disconnected you but you know we won't <laughs> how you answer this question will determine if we'll continue our conversation did you like the old Oregon Ducks helmets with Donald
1: Duck on them uh <laughs> In retrospect, they kind of have like kind of a cool, funky kind of, you know, I I don't know. I I get nostalgic when I see that. Everything is so polished now with, you know, basically being the Nike, they they are Nike you and everything Mm -hmm. is polished Mm -hmm. and cool and, you know, they, they, you know, last time they played in the national championship game they didn't have any green and yellow i believe they wore like all white on their. and uh, mm-hmm. so yeah it's kind of a someone who grew up watching the oregon ducks in the mid 80s and late 80s and remember when them making it to the independence bowl in shreveport louisiana w- was enough <laughs> that restaurant i believe that they had a a nice restaurant the oregon electric station and they for years had the front page of the register guard framed of the Oregon ducks making the independence bowl. <laughs> and now, now you okay. look at what the standards are and, and it's, you know, right. Basically Rose bowl or bust or, uh, you know, a, a compete for a, yeah. a conference championship every, uh, every year, hopefully. But uh, uh, it used to be where just, you know, Bill Musgrave taking them to the independence bowl was a huge <laughs> deal. <laughs>
0: OK, I, I I so I I grew up in Washington. I grew up in Tacoma. I went to Central so I can root both for and against the Huskies and the Cougars, depending on, you know, how what what bandwagon I want to jump on. But I I'm not a big fan of either school. Like I don't bleed crimson or purple. Just I I, I appreciate them because they're the local teams. But I just remember Oregon having this kind of. I don't know what the word is I want to use, but just. I, I appreciated them when they were wearing the, the Donald Duck helmets. I don't enjoy this never-ending smorgasbord of uniforms that they come out with that are so, you know, it, it doesn't look like football to me anymore. It, it, and I'm old, I guess, but I I like their helmet with the O on it. I do, I do, the helmet's okay, but I wish that they would go back to the Duck once in a while. I just wish they would pay tribute to that. All right, that was question number one. Question number two. Do you remember the first article you wrote for the Tribune?
1: Believe, believe it was covering a basketball game at uh, Foss High School, I believe. Okay, okay. that might have been right. it. Um, uh, I started off basically doing uh, high school sports, which at the time was kind okay. of like, oh, that that's how you pay your dues, and maybe eventually we'll let you go up and. Help out with uh, the Seahawks coverage or the Mariners coverage, and and things mm-hmm. going full circle. Uh, now, uh, with us being sort of a a locally focused uh, sports department and locally focused newspaper here at, at at the Columbian in Vancouver, high school sports is a majority of what we do. So in a way, it's kind of come full circle with that. But I've always I've always viewed high school sports as yeah, you meet a lot of interesting people. You, you you don't run into some of the the roadblocks and the, the egos that you you find at at some of the professional levels. Um, you know, you get great access to to coaches and. And kids, and really, these are the kids that are on the front line of representing your community. When you you go to a gymnasium or a high school football game, you know those are, those are the people that that live there and and are invested in the community and and putting their best foot foot forward. And so when we have a team that makes a run to the state championship game in football or any other sport, it's really kind of a neat energy to kind of piggyback off of. So uh, uh, yeah, I would, I would say. Uh, uh, seeing high school sports sort of evolve from the, you know, the late nineties when I first got into this industry to now has been kind of an interesting case study and, and just how society and sports develop. But uh, uh, there, there, there's kind of a purity of, of it that I, I always like.
0: Okay. So once you, you graduated from UPS, um, where was your first job?
1: Uh, I actually uh, got hired down here at the Columbian in in Vancouver uh, two weeks before finals at uh, University of Puget Sound my senior year. So it was an interesting two-week window where I would come down here, show up to work, and (laughs) then uh, commute back up north to take a final. I think I had to do that with two or three classes. So uh, uh, I was like, okay, I I better not blow these finals because – Kind of uh, uh, the the job I have down here is contingent upon me, me being a college graduate. College <laughs> it was a, graduate. Kind of. All right. Yeah, so uh, uh, don't screw this up.
0: <laughs> what was your first position with the Columbia then?
1: It was um again again just sort of a sports reporter job uh uh focusing on high school sports at the time uh, uh, i forget the situation what it was but uh we had a staff of about seven or eight people and they needed someone to kind of take the reins of the high school sports uh beat and um kind of thrown in the deep end uh out, uh, get to know who the coaches are, get to know who the people are, and and come up with some ideas. So, uh, good luck,
0: <laughs> and better graduate on time. Um, so no pressure. Yes. To start. All right. Hmm. So the for for the for those of us like myself, but um, I'm I'm hopeful that if I ask this question, there's others out there that would like to know the answer too. Can you walk us through what the newsroom? Like, what's the difference between a reporter and an editor? You know, what, how does, walk me through, let me give you a scenario. It's Friday night and I I don't know the high schools down there. So give me, give me two high schools, just played each other. And you're, you're, you were to be the reporter for that game. Walk us through what you were doing.
1: All right, let's let's just take uh kind of the biggest rivalry that we have down in here, uh Camas versus Union football. Both have won state championships in the last uh, uh five or six years. Um yeah, they always play kind of at the end of the season. Uh, uh let's let's say the games at Camus, which typically draws some of the biggest crowds uh, uh, of any high school team down here. You're going to want to get to that stadium uh, probably about two hours before the game. So if it's a 7 o'clock kickoff, you're there at 5. There's probably already going to be a line waiting to get in. Uh, This is not the goal for every high school football game, but Mm -hmm. just picking kind of the uh, most exciting example. Um, You get there – Get uh, get your roster, get your uh, stat sheet ready. Uh, wait for the game, kind of. Um, you know, just take it all in. Uh, you, thankfully, we keep a, a lot of stats uh, for high school football as the season goes along on our own, so we'll have a, a good idea who the leaders of, of each team are. Um, we'll watch the game. Uh, I usually try to keep a kind of running stat total going, so I know, you know, this kid has. 20 yards on six carries, uh, this mm-hmm. quarterback, uh, you know, he's 10 for 12, uh, for 180 yards and, and a touchdown. And so I'm keeping those as, as we go, but also, um, uh, giving updates on social media really, um, uh, you know, that, that's been the biggest change I've seen in the industry as far as a day to day reporter's job is, um, having that social media presence where, um, basically no one wants to wait for the you know the next day's paper um they want the information now and so whether that's giving uh updates on social media or uh posting your story right when it's ready to the website so people can read it within half an hour of of the game ending um that's Mm -hmm. uh that's what uh what rapport has to do so say the game ends uh it's um you know, last second touchdown. Um, you'll go down, find a, a you know maybe a key player. Um, th- usually a couple of them. I I try to videotape all my interviews with uh, uh, my phone so that uh, that can be something else I share either on social media or embed it with uh, uh, with the article online. Um, I, I think there's there's kind of a transparency that goes hand in hand with. Posting a raw interview. Not only do you get to see, especially in the aftermath of a really big win or uh, an exciting game, you get to kind of share in in the excitement of that and see that on the kids' faces. But um, also, you know, you, you you can see a quote I might use in its full context. And so, um, uh, yeah, after uh, after doing that, after getting a, a few interviews and getting all that uh, uh, depending on the situation and depending on the time of night i might uh, have a, a laptop computer with me and i'll i'll uh write the story there in the stadium um you know maybe i'm in the the top row of the bleachers with uh you know while they're locking the the fences and shooing everybody off <laughs> you know i'll be putting the finishing story or touches on my story um uh, I'll either email it in to the, um, uh, the person who's kind of managing everything back in the office. So that person usually is you know, putting together the next day's print, uh, uh, products there. They might be responding to emails for some games that are, um, uh, outside of the area. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's a team effort. Definitely, we'll have uh, uh, five people working on a given Friday night. Yeah.
0: You know, f- okay. So, all right. Where where do you watch the game from? Are you in the press box? Or are you sitting in the stands? Or are you on the field?
1: Uh, it sort of depends on the stadium. Some stadiums will have uh, room in the press box. Many don't. I, I I just prefer. I honestly prefer to just sit in the stands. Um, there's, okay. there's times also when, you know, depending on, on what the, the situation is, I'll walk along the sideline with my, uh, notepad, uh, taking stats by hand. But I, I think an ideal situation, I'll just find kind of a, uh, corner of the stadium and just sort of set up there and not get in A1's way and, and just, uh, uh, take in the game. Okay.
0: So you're there a couple hours before, sounds like you're there probably an hour afterwards give or take
1: yeah and and okay. now to, to be fair if it's a game that doesn't involve two of the most popular teams in the area i'll probably you could get away with showing up half an hour before but uh i just mm-hmm. kind of gave you the most extreme example
0: okay. does the paper have a photographer with you or are you are you taking the photographs
1: uh, that'll depend if it's if it's kind of our big game of the night we'll have one of our professional photographers there as well and and that's another uh, thing that we can add you know, that, that's changed with uh, the industry versus how I you know was when I first got in at, at the start you'd have a photographer taking, You know, 50 photographs and maybe two or three would be published in the print edition. Now Hmm. a photographer will, you know, give us 20 photographs and we'll put them all on the website and have a big photo gallery and share a few on our Instagram page. Um, You know, it's amazing that, that that's really where, you know, the next generation of consumers that's how they digest their information. It's very visual. Uh, Uh I'd say a a photo of a high school football game on Instagram will get more eyeballs than probably the, you know, a a story on our website proper or definitely in in our print edition. So, you know, we'll we'll see those things get shared thousands of times over if it's a real good photo that takes off. So it's,
0: 2022, when we're having this conversation, you started working. What year did you start working for the Colombian? 99.
1: Uh, that would have been 1999. All right. Yes. So you've been
0: doing this 23 years. Now, did the Colombian yep. have much of an online presence in 99
1: when no. you started? <laughs> okay. I was there when when it was basically. I oh, don't know the 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 dial up uh, uh, <laughs> version of of what you'd consider a website. It, it was right. basically a repository for, all right that that thing that story was published in print. Um, yeah, you know, I, I guess put it put it somewhere online, and maybe mm-hmm. a, a hundred people will look at it. And, okay. and now uh, uh, now we've really. Uh, it, the, the the tables have completely flipped in the industry. It's, it's, it's all online now.
0: So, so the question I have then, so, and that's kind of what I anticipated you saying. So, uh, and uh, let's just say in 2000, uh, just cause it sounds easier than 99 in 2000, it was primarily a print paper. And in 2022, it sounds like the online presence is larger than the print version.
1: Fair, fair statement. Yes, okay. substantially.
0: Okay. Substantially, but for print. Okay, so you can you can type up. You know, I mean, uh, you, you can sit in the stands with your iPhone really and type up an article or send something to Instagram instantaneously. But you're going to sit down and, and well, let's go back to this game, this Camus versus Union. About how many words would the article be? Especially if it was a, a, a an exciting game with a, an interesting finish.
1: I would say. Probably between 500 and 700.
0: Okay, so you're gonna you're gonna write that out, yeah. and you're gonna send it to somebody at at the paper who's putting together the print, the print version for Saturday. Is it Saturday morning? Is that when your paper comes out? Sorry, let's just say it's Saturday morning. Yeah. How much editing yeah. are they doing now? Because I guess what my question is: back in the day, you'd sent your story to an editor, and were they the grammar police? And did they? Did they correct you for, you know, not, you know, you buried the lead or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And do they like almost rewrite your work? But now is there that attention to the story? I don't want to, I don't, I'm not trying to say like, there's not being, there's not attention, but I don't mean like that. But is there an editor reworking for print? Uh,
1: in our department, no. Okay. Uh, and, uh, sometimes you, with some of the, you know, we get called out on our mistakes when we make them, <laughs> but, uh, uh, unfortunately that's, uh, that, that, that's a layer that's been more or less, um, uh, kind of, it, it, it's not something that, that, uh, happens as, um, diligently in the sports department because we, we kind of work on different protocol than, say uh, uh the news side which you know they have a dedicated copy desk and they have a uh, uh, you know a, a couple of different editors that, that work with that but um, uh, with us we um we're, we're basically a, a hands all hands on deck situation on a Friday night where uh, everyone that can be out at a game is out at a game okay. and then the one person who's back in the office is crunching trying to make our deadline uh which um, you know if it used to be a little later, but now it's uh now it's probably about nine thirty. Wow that you have to be at ten at the latest. And so it's um uh wow. with it it's a it's a flood of stories and content and information that comes in all about the same time. At so uh, there there isn't the the chance to really <laughs> yeah, there isn't a chance to you know give a real thorough edit to something okay. right before deadline. Uh, so we we just kind of have to rely on our instincts and okay. do the best we can. And and uh, uh, then after after deadline, we can always go back online and edit and okay. clean up a article or clean up a mistake. Okay. And but again, it'd be nice to not make it in the first place. Well, of course. But I'm just tr- I'm
0: trying to get a feel for how how your workflow is now, because um, like you said, and, and I watched this sitting this season in the, in the press box with the Apple Sox. I'm watching our radio guy send out social media updates too. Right. And you're right. The people are consuming that probably more than is consuming it in the, in the Wenatchee paper the next day. I mean, that's just my assumption.
1: I would think that would be correct. Yeah, yeah. I, I, would, I would describe our workflow as um, it's uh, it's it it increases. You know, as the night goes on, the intensity increases, and it reaches a fever pitch right when our deadline <laughs> is, and then it takes a long time to wind down from okay. that. Uh, you, you know, it's app we're probably there, you know, and, and then if, you know, maybe we have a highlight video that we edit. And so, um, uh, we're after the words are done. We'll be hopping on a video editor program and highlight uh, or put together some, you know, footage of the touchdowns we record with our phone and, and, uh, splice it in with some of the interviews that we've done. And, and so, It's not unusual for it to be well after midnight and we're still working at the newspaper at the office putting together that next day's uh, content.
0: Now I'm going to put you on the spot with this question. And before I ask this question, Micah's answer is his personal opinion only. Okay. What is your favorite sport to
1: cover? I would say football just because it feels like a big event. Uh, it's always, you know, we're, we're, there's so much content out there right now. There's so many games, you know, there, there's, you know, you can watch anything on, on TV all year. Long. the reason I think football resonates with, uh, uh, the American sports audience is that it, it doesn't, it's not all year long. It's not every day, uh. There still is something special about Friday night lights at high schools, or uh, Saturday afternoon on colleges, or Sunday mm-hmm. NFL. I think um, the fact that the you, these high school teams they have nine games over a, a two and a half month mm-hmm. period to you know determine whether their their season is a success or, or not, and and so it's not like baseball where. <clears throat> Yeah, you, know, you can have a, a bad day or a good day and you know, you just kind of brush it off and keep a level head and move to the next one. With a with a football game, if you're if your kicker makes a game winning kick that shifts a loss from or what would be loss into a win, I mean that's a big deal. And I think that's reflected in in the excitement and the emotion after a a a game. Um, you know, it's it's <laughs> I uh you, you hardly ever see kids cry after a regular season ba- basketball or baseball game but uh, I can cite several examples when it's been a, a really intense football game and there's uh the you know tears of joy or or tears of uh, uh frustration even after a game in the middle of the season and so i, I think you know one, one of my favorite parts of why I wanted to get into this um industry in the first place is, you know, you you get to be a you know you get to ride along with a lot of emotion and drama and and uh, uh, and see that and live through it vicariously and um, and uh, you see that I think more on a football night than you do with any other sport. Now there are obviously exceptions. You go to the state basketball tournament or the state volleyball tournament, and you have a, a few days of pretty intense competition and stories and you know, emotion, but, uh, uh, just consistently football is, is, uh, something that were the emotional investment of those who are participating and watching and supporting, uh, okay. it's just at another level. All right.
0: Next question. You can pick any sporting event to cover. What would be, what would you want? Like, what would be the, the Holy grail, if you will, of like, Somebody's the the Colombians assigned you to go and cover X. What would that be for you?
1: Well, I think I've actually oh, okay. already done it. <laughs> uh, we used to cover the Seahawks, not 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 anymore. And so I was uh, I was down there at the ill fated Super Bowl when uh, uh, they did not give the ball to Marshawn Lynch at the one yard line. So. I but now that that answer comes with a caveat. Okay. Um, probably it, it was maybe the most amazing uh, event I've covered, but I wouldn't want to do it again. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's something about when you're at a real big event and it's you know we call it pack journalism. You know, good luck getting any sort right. of exclusive quote or angle or 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 uh you know when when there's 50 people crowding around russell right. wilson right you're not going to get <laughs> you're not going to get anything that you wouldn't be able to get by mm-hmm. just watching the mm-hmm. event online and and uh you know um but i'm glad to have seen sort of the uh, uh the spectacle of covering a super bowl and uh just kind of how big and oversized and unusual and and uh uh, just crazy that is but if i had to do that every year i think i'd yeah. know it's not my cup of tea that's
0: actually amazing though you 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 were able to cover cover super bowl all right so that that would have been your pinnacle thing all right Uh, let me rephrase the question now that you've done that what would you like to cover like would you like to cover uh I don't know. Pro golf tournament. I don't know. What, 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 what else would be fun for you? And not, and not that high school's football. I don't mean it like that, but like, you know, you got the unlimited budget. The paper's going to pay for you to go somewhere you get to pick.
1: Wh- what would Now that, you're really off in fantasy. Now you're really in fantasy land. <laughs> I know. I know.
0: But we're going to, if we're going to dream, we're going to, we're going to make it completely unrealistic.
1: Unre- but you know, the, the paper says,
0: Micah, you tell us we'll send you. Where would you want to go?
1: Oh, I'd like to do the soccer World Cup. Okay, all right. Always been a big fan of international soccer. Um, okay, uh, that uh, you know that y- you obviously are gonna run into sort of the same issues you do with uh, um, you know covering any big event, whether it, you know it's the World Series or uh, the Olympics or um, you know you're 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 gonna not have you you're basically not going to have any sort of, you know, special access that you, you, that anyone else wouldn't have. But I, I think, uh, you know, I, I'd want to do kind of like uh, you, you offer a, a series of postcards uh, traveling around the host nation and interacting with the different fans from all over the world. I've always been a big, uh, you know, fan of international travel and, uh, you know, experience different, you know, meeting different cultures and people. In their terms, where they live, okay, and uh, uh, and so I, th- I think probably a World Cup would be uh, probably the, the the most conducive uh, venue to okay. that.
0: That's that's a very interesting. Uh, I, I like the angle of you know doing quote unquote postcards from the, the from the country. That's very cool. Um, I'll I'll call the Colombian up mm-hmm. and pitch that for you. Okay, we'll make it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, we do have a community funded journalism initiative going on where, where uh, local donors, our community can uh, help support what we do. And so if you want to, you know, if you're sitting on a large inheritance, and want to direct some of that money to have Micah Rice cover the next uh, FIFA World Cup, I, I would not say no to that. I wouldn't say
0: no to that. Okay. Well, I want to shift gears for a second, because the reason that I reached out to you was because of an article I saw in the Seattle times. And when I saw it in the times, I read the article in the times and then I started, you know, the power of the internet. I found out that you had written an article about this individual a couple of years earlier and your byline actually had a phone number on it. So I actually picked up the phone and you, you actually answered the phone and we actually talked and that's about, um, wink lamb. And I think, one of the things we, when we talked about having you on as a guest was to talk about things in the Vancouver area, uh, because the show is all about Washington State. Can we talk about Wink for a second in the in the way that how did the how, when you wrote the article, how did you hear about him? I mean, how did this all come about?
1: I think somewhat. Someone at the athletic club where Wink swims at uh, reached out and said, Hey, you might not know about this, but uh, there's a guy, he's 95 years old and he's breaking all sorts of masters age group records and swimming. And so obviously you hear about that. And so you know, that's very cool. And, and you, you never know what you're going to get uh, with uh, w- when you haven't met someone before, especially someone at that age, obviously he's, still you know has everything still pretty well together if he's swimming that well and and uh so it was i remember it being a fascinating interview um uh he just one little detail i remember he he had a a a little paper notepad and uh you know he obviously had it for a while The, the the pages were kind of a little bit off yellow from from age and but he had all of his uh, uh re- swim results wow. in there and so he could go back and tell you i i swam this at, at you know at this race and uh, you know 10 years ago 15 years ago and he's still going strong at, at 95 at that time and uh from what i understand uh now he's 100 and still going strong just uh uh i remember one one of the things he told me is that uh he he never had an office job. He uh, he worked with his you know worked I believe in a um, uh, a woodworking company or or something like that. But uh, he, he was always someone who you know kept his body in, in shape and and uh, it just goes to show that if you uh, if you maintain this uh, this machine we've all been uh, uh, given at birth, then it can last a long so, time.
0: So your article was written in what 2017, correct? Yes. Uh, but, but, yeah, uh, that sounds right. Yeah. So the one that just came out in July of 2022 in the Times, um, he, at the time that they wrote it, he was still 99. I think he's going to be 100 sometime in the month of August. And he's currently, at the time we're recording this, he's back east competing in another tournament, another Masters swim meet. And so the guy's 99 years old, and he's still swimming and traveling competitively. I mean, that's that's amazing. So that's somebody, you know, there's somebody from the Vancouver area. He retired from that job, yeah. the job that you mentioned. He, What I read was he retired when he turned 80. When the, when the place closed down is when he retired. <laughs> so the man worked 40 hours a week until he was 80 years old, which is not typical, is it? But what other... So using Wink as an example of an interesting person from from southwestern Washington, what other stories do you have from like the Vancouver area? What what else is interesting down and I don't I just don't know that much about Vancouver. So I don't I'm not trying to say that there's not
1: anything. I just don't know. What else is interesting down in Vancouver? Well, I would I would tell you if you haven't been to downtown Vancouver in the last five years. Uh, if you visit today, you'll feel mm-hmm. like you're in a completely different city. Uh, we've downtown Vancouver is just undergoing an amazing facelift right now, and it it, it it it's all centered around the Columbia River waterfront. In the last five years, we've had a, a flurry of building activity down in the downtown waterfront. Uh, uh, I'd say if you if you're familiar with the I five corridor and maybe have driven through uh, Vancouver, but never stopped. When you hit the uh, heading southbound on I-5, when when you hit the um, Interstate 5 bridge, look to your right. And that's where you'll see basically the whole new face of Vancouver. They have a a, uh, waterfront that is... uh, you're just just amazing and and a, a real big draw on a you know a, a typical summer night. You'll go down there and there'll be a th- you know a thousand people out there walking around at at the new restaurants, at the new bars and cafes. They have a a pier that juts out over water that has some really unique architecture and and uh, sort of connected to that. Uh, we used to joke that when I moved to downtown Vancouver, or when I moved to Vancouver, downtown was uh, you know a bunch of pawn shops and convenience stores, and you know not really anything you'd want to go. Now it's uh, uh, restaurants, cafes, uh, upscale apartments and condominiums, and and uh, it, it really, I think to me, Vancouver downtown, Vancouver right now, is what the Pearl okay. District in Portland used to be. About ten or fifteen years ago, and I think there's a real desire. uh, Well, I can only speak for myself, but uh, if I can do everything that you staff to to go to Portland to do and stay in Vancouver, I would rather stay right here. I joke with
0: people that bring up Portland that Oregon's, you know, Portland's dead to me for this show. I'm just kidding. You know, it's we're we're all about Washington. We don't want to go across the bridge to Portland. Oh, Portland's a great place. Don't get me wrong. Um. (laughs) <laughs> well, you mentioned restaurants and bars and all that. So a question I always ask guests are, you know, I'm a huge, I love coffee. Do you, you drink coffee?
1: Well. Yeah. Of course. Well, one of my first jobs was uh, uh, as a barista at Starbucks uh, over the summer at uh, the University you of Village. In Village in store? Uh, you worked in the U or, Village store? Seattle. You worked at the U Village store? Before okay. my sophomore year. Okay. I did that was the uh, for a summer there. Back when they only had just one, now I think they have like no. But that was the flag. Now so I think they have like what year three was that? there.
0: Probably <laughs> no. That'd have been ninety-seven or so. That would have yeah, been. 19- I was. I was working for. I was in corporate 96. at Starbucks then, and um, yeah, that was that was one of the the big flagship stores. There was one okay. in uh New York at, uh that they I was. I was in the IT department. And so when they were rolling out new cash registers and things like that, I there I had, had a small part in that whole thing. And um, the University Village store, um, I just remember going in there and they had a, uh, oh, I think it was like a $1,500 espresso machine. You know, it was a, a real, a real, like, not, not like the little Starbucks espresso machines that, you know, you could put on your countertop. This was a, a two head, you know, like you could open a coffee shop espresso machine i just remember they sell those i mean does people buy them but i guess they did
1: well please tell me this is the okay. i still I, I, i'm still a little scarred from i'm still a little scarred from one thing that that summer that was the summer that uh starbucks decided to debut their frappuccinos, <laughs> which I don't know. Maybe I'm a coffee purist, but I I don't view that as coffee. And so um, uh, it was all the rage, new thing, sweet uh, coffee drink. Uh, I think it was pretty warm in Seattle that summer, so it, it really took off. Uh, having to make those things and just the, the residual stickiness the, uh, that got on all the equipment from all the sugar and <laughs> brewing up the, you know, and having to <laughs> I, I i've never i've never gone back to being a fan of the real sweet coffee drink uh, never was but after that i would never never attempt to be a fan of the sweet coffee drinks it was like uh you know kind of kind of like seeing uh all that goes into making frappuccinos and the, the, the stickiness and the sugar content and the minimal amount of coffee that's actually in those drinks so uh, I can, I can, uh, has stuck with me throughout my pile coffee drinking that. life.
0: Number one, they never gave the stores enough space to okay. make these drinks because they were wedging them, wedging the blenders in. Okay. So we know that number two, when right. at corporate, we had coffee, coffee rooms on every floor. So we had espresso machines. I mean, it was, it was a great place to work as far as if you loved coffee and we had the box. Do you remember the, the frappuccino mix came in those cardboard boxes, like kind of like uh, the same boxes that like oat milk comes in. Okay. Did you ever read the ingredients?
1: Yes. So the stuff that we had the very <laughs> first year. I might have.
0: So, so the number one ingredient. Now, I know it's changed since then. So I'm, you know, I'm, but the number one ingredient. So there's two takeaways on frappuccinos that I have. Number one ingredient was sea kelp. I don't no remember why. that. Sea kelp was the number It's a, it's a health food. Yeah, it was sea kelp. Well, it's, it's, it a, it's a thickener. It's also a thickener. Yeah. So that was the number one by volume agreement. It was sea kelp. And the number the number two thing I took away was that there was more calories in a basic Frappuccino than there was in a Big Mac. And then you would see people going and getting a Frappuccino in the morning, one at lunch, and one at night. And, those same people would not be caught dead eating three Big Macs in a day. You know, you just, you wouldn't, but it was a coffee drink. So they would drink it. But the, the one takeaway. So I, I was, um, one of my past guests was Howard Behar, who was the international president of Starbucks. He's also the individual that got Starbucks to make, to, to launch Frappuccinos. So in my interview, he's telling the story about how, how Starbucks down in California, um, basically got this idea from another coffee company that was basically their stores, Starbucks stores were empty in the afternoons and this other places were packed. And then people started coming in going, Hey, do you have those frozen coffee drinks? And no. And so one store manager kind of took it upon themselves to kind of develop this thing. And it turned out to be this thing that we call Frappuccino. The dollar revenue though, that actually I think Starbucks makes, brings in more dollars off of Frappuccino's than they do coffee. now
1: not surprised
0: at all so, by that. So but I just remember that first year the stores would call and complain about where am I supposed to put this blender? I don't have I don't have any counter space. I, I where am I supposed to rinse I mean it was it was a it was a nightmare to um, <laughs> to implement. And now, you know, they've retrofitted everything and you know, the frappuccino machines are take front front. I I don't know that they have an espresso machine in half this. No, I'm kidding. Okay. So you worked at Starbucks, but you like coffee. Yes. Where's a good place in Vancouver for me to go get coffee?
1: Well, that's, uh, I mean, (laughs) I guess if you really want to get into, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, pour over and, you know, kind of really, really go above and beyond. There's a place in downtown Vancouver, right. Uh, uh, right as short park, I think it's called, what is it? Uh, 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 Conifex Califex. Um, I, I don't go there uh, uh, regularly. I, I but uh, that, that's a place where you can get the, you know, they have the glass, set up and the pour overs and, and everything. And, and it's does uh, it
0: have kind of a turquoise, a turquoise coffee roaster.
1: Is there, is there a coffee so. roaster? Yeah, that, is it right next yeah. to where,
0: is that right next to the place? It's right next to where the, the farmer's market is.
1: Yes. Right. Yes, it is. Isn't that? Yes.
0: Okay. So I've been there and okay, that was, know. okay. I'm glad you mentioned that place. I've been there. That was the first place I've ever been to that had a siphon, Press,
1: Hmm.
0: and it looks like something out of a a, a, like of a chemistry lab. And I was talking; I was there, and the owner was there, and it was pretty quiet. and, And I'm like, "What's this siphon?" I just said, "What's this siphon press?" She goes, "You should have one." I said, "Okay, let's. I'll I'll have a siphon press." And she's got like a a halogen burner, so it's so it's got this red light, so the water's all red. I have a video of it, and I was just fascinated by this. That's a great coffee shop. Yep. That's, uh, I like that place. Yes. Um, they do a really cool, and they, they're one of the things, I don't know if you know this, but um, their beans, their their mission is to buy the beans from local, well, not local, but local roasters in, in Central and South America, that, but woman owned uh, coffee farms. So Excellent. She, yeah. The owners, she's doing her best to support woman owned a coffee coffee farms in, in Mexico and Central America all right that one well ha, since I've been there I got to make you will put you on the spot give me another one where might not I have gone
1: uh let's see um it's it's like now now you can just kind of go kind of walk anywhere in downtown Vancouver and you'll find something uh funny fun um Oh, what's the name of that? I used to go there a lot, have been there in a while. Uh, It's right on Evergreen in Columbia. Um, Let's see. I will find this. Just give me a second because I'm going to hate myself for not not getting this right.
0: Um, Well, that's one of the things, what I love about Washington State is that Honestly, no matter how small the community is, there's good to great coffee available almost everywhere. Um, there's some great yes. little, you know, drive-through places in the middle of nowhere. And there's amazing coffee shops in downtown Seattle that are like going to Disneyland.
1: <laughs> One of the places that's kind of fun, if, you, uh, if you're north of downtown, um, it's a place, it's actually like in an old house it's called Lotte, latte da Lotte coffee da. house and wine bar and that's on uh latte, latte da okay it's on uh, 39th street and uh uh that yeah, you, you, they have it set up to where, it, i mean it is a, an old house basically okay. All right. and so you would uh you you could go in there and and uh it's a pretty chill vibe i remember um okay. But uh, uh, yeah, if, you're, if you want something that's a little bit different than your standard downtown you know coffee bar that would be uh that would be a place uh, on 39th and that that puts you near to the Lincoln neighborhood and and the Shumway neighborhood and and some of the areas that uh, uh, you know, it's kind of got a cool character these old houses built in in the World War two era with the hidden bricks you know the hidden brick company supplied a lot of the material for a lot of the old buildings in downtown Vancouver and so you see a lot of those style of houses and uh, uh, yeah it's it's a good jumping off point for kind of uh, exploring north of downtown
0: okay one of the things circling back to kind of being a newspaper person one of the things that's mm. stylized is newspaper people have places to go what I'm thinking is like up in Seattle did you ever go to 13 coins did you ever, when you were at the UPS, did I you? I don't,
1: ever? I can't say I did. Okay, no. so
0: 13 Coins was right next to, I think it was the Seattle Times. And so reporters would gather there because it was open 24-7. They'd have a drink in the bar. They'd eat. They'd talk. They'd gossip. You know, do all these things. It's quote unquote stylized, you know, newspaper people do. Just like there's places where, you know, coffee shops that cops like to go to and all that stuff where's a great place in Vancouver that's close to the paper that you like to go grab a bite to eat using that kind of as our thread? Is there a, you know, off the beaten
1: path sort of place? I would say, and I, 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 yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it's uh you know, there, that there's a newspaper place cause it's more, you know, it's, it, it things changed a lot when COVID happened and, and, <laughs> a lot of the the, the the staff started to work remotely and and uh it's you know and, and plus to be honest you know it, it, it used to be where i was you know in my 20s and young reporter and uh, the other young reporters would go hang out and then i joined management and and now i'm kind of the old stodger and and not not the cool guy that right. gets invited to hang out with the young reporters and okay. that's fine with me but uh uh but but if you if you want you know a a place that i like uh uh it's um uh, there's a taco uh place in downtown vancouver called little conejo which i mean little rabbit okay and uh yeah and that is uh i i think that is just fabulous for you know having some good flavorful street tacos in downtown vancouver but um But, but yeah, it's a, you're making me wax nostalgic when I used to, you know, it would be, there'd be other reporters in our, you know, in our twenties and we go and, and get a drink and, and afterwards, but, uh. Now you know you're in management long enough, and you've <laughs> uh, you kind of I think you have to have a little bit of separation between okay. uh, you know what what you do, and because you, you might have to have some uncomfortable conversations about someone's work or their future employment status or anything. Sure. So I I, I kind of. Yeah, and plus I, I've got two daughters that uh, I've w- missed way too much of their growing up, working a lot at night. So gotcha. my All free right. time, I I just I'm pretty boring. I just spend it with my family, pretty much. <laughs> well,
0: well, you you brought up another topic that's near and dear to my heart, and that street tacos. So, uh, what do you recommend there? Mm-hmm. So what's the what's the go-to? I uh, have move? a
1: brisket taco that's. Really, brisca taco that's fabulous uh yeah. al pastor that that uh, uh snuck up on me that was pretty, pretty spicy <laughs> so you you gotta uh but but you can just uh you know it's a kind of place where you can sample three four different kinds and and uh, uh choose what you like all right. all
0: right okay all right well that's okay that's that's a, all right so i have the fun for me on these conversations is now i've got a new coffee shop to try when i go to vancouver now i've got a place for tacos and you know my goal is to talk to wink lamb and I have Perfect. a feeling I'm going to have to come to him. I just have this feeling. And, uh, and now that there's street tacos in play, I don't mind coming to Vancouver. Not, you know,
1: let's go. Uh, 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 street tacos. <laughs> All right. Make, 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 a, make a reason. Yes, yes, there we go. Thank you for helping me. <laughs> um, well, let's circle back
0: to, let's <laughs> let's circle back to the Colombian because something you, you either said this before I hit record or you said it very early on in this conversation and honestly I don't remember which but you basically said that the Colombian has kind of focused on high school sports local kind of going more hyper local is that a is that did I mm-hmm. paraphrase that fairly accurately okay.
1: That, that that that's a very fair uh, assessment of what we do. Uh, it used to be uh, you know, there's been a, a big shift. If I look, I mean, there's been a huge shift industry wide. I mean, uh, compared comparing when I first broke in in the late 1990s to now. Uh, uh, in, in the late 1990s, uh, uh, a paper like the Columbian would uh, you probably have a, a much bigger staff. Um, uh, it'd still be kind of centric or centered around the print edition um uh and a, a paper like the colombian would try to be kind of a regional paper um. Uh, from a sports perspective, we'd uh, go and we'd, like I said, cover the Seahawks at their home games up in uh, uh, Seattle. We'd uh, cover the Trailblazers with um, uh when they were in town and, and we'd cover uh, uh, college football, maybe go up to Seattle or even over to Pullman for one of the big games uh, for a not news um uh, or for a, a non-sports, uh, story, like say, uh, uh, when, the the, the new Carissa ran aground near Coos Bay, one of our reporters went down okay. there and, uh, would, uh, you know, be on the scene for that. Um, now as revenues have dwindled across the, uh, uh, the industry and as, uh, you know, the internet has kind of changed how people gather their information. Now there's no point in, you know, me going up to a Seahawks game when anyone can go online and read, you know, everything that the Seattle Times Mm -hmm. does, that uh, ESPN does, you know, is that the best use of a local newspaper's resources to just kind of cover the same ground that, uh, a a thousand other people are. And so what, what, uh, what we've done and I think to very successfully is what are the stories in our community that aren't getting told Mm -hmm. what, you know, what, 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 what voice can we give and have and, and share that, uh, you're not going to find anywhere else. And so I think you've seen the pivot, um, you know, across uh, uh, across our company within the last 10 years to really focus on what's going on in Southwest Washington and in particular Clark County. And, and uh, this is where I think the Colombian is pretty well situated in the fact that we're uh, uh, locally owned and independent. I can... Just name time after time in this industry where a, a local newspaper has been bought by a chain or a, a hedge fund, and it, people with no investment in the in the local community who basically just look at it like an asset, and so the newsroom gets gutted, and uh, reporters burn out, and and uh, yeah, and. That uh, that leads to basically an information desert in in some of these local uh, communities where you don't have an engaged and vibrant local news source. But uh, you know the Campbell family has owned the Colombian for a hundred oh, wow. years, and uh, you know we everything is you know, the it's owned by people that have you know are, are invested in the in the community that love the community that have relationships in the community um, uh, and. Uh, uh, the, uh, you know, you, de- you don't have to convince a hedge fund manager that it's worth uh, putting resources into uh, covering what's going on in, in Clark County. And so, you know, thankfully, we've we've uh, written out some turbulent times in the, the industry and our newsroom's at a bigger point uh, staffing-wise than it's been in, gosh, 10 years probably. Um, yeah, and uh, it's been a great place for me to kind of... Uh, you know, allow, uh, you know, rise up through the ranks and, and, uh, you know, join a management role and, uh, you know, raise a family.
0: That's, that's actually good. It
1: can, it can still be done in local journalism. I love
0: that because, you know, we, you know, if you believe everything you read, you know, local media is dead, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I think I told you the Wenatchee paper, you know, it's cutting down its number of days of, of publication and my mother doesn't you know she wants to she doesn't go online she wants to read the paper and now my mother's generation is dwindling Um, i still think there's something enjoyable about picking up a paper and reading it you know i tend to read more in the paper than mm -hmm. i do if i'm on the on that I would read more of the Colombian if I had a copy of the Colombian in my hands than I would if I was on the Colombian's website, just picking and choosing headlines that seemed interesting to me based on my interests. I don't know why, but that's the way I am.
1: Sure. What? Well, I mean, unfortunately, we're kind of the exception and not the rule in that we are right. locally right. owned and independent. It, uh, I I think what the kind of what you had mentioned about you know the state of you know other other papers that maybe are are owned by a chain it's, uh, it's a little bit more right, bleak right. in my opinion
0: putting you on the spot you're gonna root for the Ridgefield Raptors you're gonna root for the Portland Pickles
1: <laughs> hey, I I'm supposed to be an impartial no, observer no, you you as as a as a non
0: journalist. As a is a as a fan of baseball. Who are you gonna root for?
1: Well, I mean I've I've gotta Who's got the better story this year, in your opinion? I've got to always root for the Southwest Washington team you know it's uh, uh Portland's all fine and good but but that's Portland and and we're, we're more than just a bedroom community over here in Southwest Washington I think yeah uh, you, know, you kind of touch your your, your question um, I think kind of touches on a, a deeper issue where you know for for a long time um, people, moved to Southwest Washington because of its proximity to Portland and the fact that you could, you know, the housing was a little bit more affordable here. Um, Probably the schools are a little better funded. Um, uh, But with that kind of came sort of the trappings of being a bedroom, suburban commuter community. And, and uh, what I, what I think I've noticed and, you know, really as, as people, you know, start to put down more roots here is they want, they want something that's uniquely ours, and not just, you know, not just you know having to go across the river to Portland. and And don't get me wrong, the Portland Pickles are uniquely Portland. They are a, they are a funky franchise that uh, plays by their own rules and gets crazy and you know, hashtag get pickled. Uh, you know, they they do things uh, their own way. But 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 uh, I, I wrote a column about this when the Ridgefield Raptors kind of first put down roots in 2019, that uh, uh, finally it felt like Southwest Washington was getting something of our own. Um, yeah. A, a okay. sore spot for me is how, you know, local local leadership missed on the opportunity to bring uh, the uh, uh, minor league baseball team that would eventually settle in Hillsboro, Oregon. That, that's the Hillsborough hops. That could have been in Vancouver if uh, mm-hmm. the right investments had been made to build a ballpark uh, near Clark College, and I think that would. Uh, I, I think it was short-sighted that uh, leadership didn't make that investment to bring minor league baseball to Clark County. I think they misjudged uh, the um, desire to have something uniquely our own on this side of the river. But now um, you, you see. You know, Ridgefield, they're drawing of more than a thousand people a game, which for the West Coast League is is pretty good. Um yeah, you, know, you you've seen yes, not just is. the building on the waterfront, uh you know, they they built the casino up north near La Center. Um yeah, they, there's uh there's really been a building boom, I think, in stuff that you know allows you to uh you know, stay on this side of the river and, and do everything that you typically have to go somewhere else to do. And, and, uh, I think, uh, the Ridgefield actors are, are sort of a part of that. Uh, they are, you know, in the summer it's, that uh, they are Southwest Washington's sports team that, uh, you know, you can go and, and watch mm-hmm. on a night and night out basis. And so from that, from that element, I, I would like to see Ridgefield make a run and, and, uh, you know, continue to, okay. Continue to do what the, they they hope you know they made the playoffs for the first time last season and only their second year of play and now they made it two years mm-hmm. in a row. I, I like to see that stability.
0: Okay, approximately in the in the Vancouver metro area, how, how what's the population down there now?
1: Oh, it's got a, Ish. It's over about a half a million for uh, for all of Clark big? County, I think. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Vancouver okay. proper, I think you're probably looking at like, uh, you know, 200, 250,000, but Clark County, when you include the unincorporated areas, uh, Camas, uh, Hawkinson, Ridgefield, you know, by percentage wise, it's been one of the fastest growing cities in, in Washington for several years in a row. Uh now, with that comes some downsides, or downsides. We've lost kind of a, a little bit of our rural uh, charm and character that uh, people remember. I, I can't hmm. count the number of, you know, dairy farms and berry farms and fruit orchards that have now been turned into, you know, fields of half a million to a million dollar homes. So there's right, right. a cost that comes with that, but. With you know you, you I, I don't know that you that that you make the investments in building uh, the new waterfront and and uh, some of the other things that have kind of come along in a more mature Clark County without that influx of population.
0: You kind of alluded to this earlier, but I'm not going to let you off the hook. Um, <laughs> you said you're kind of a boring guy and you hang out with your kids. But when you're not writing, when you're not working for the paper, what do you guys like to do for fun? in and around Clark County
1: well uh training for a triathlon so that uh oh. you know that that I I like that because with running and biking you you really get to kind of see see the parts of the county that uh you you normally otherwise wouldn't um you yeah, know but okay. see them at a level that you you don't you don't really get when you're in a car you know it's a you get a whole different set of space and and time when you have to get to a place or you go on a, a route uh, on your own power and not on a, not inside of a vehicle. Um, yeah, and and then uh, uh, but um, other than that, it's just uh, you know we we uh, you know we'll we'll watch uh, whatever show is you know the gir- our, our girls are interested in. Well, you know we are. My oldest daughter is kind of looking at you know, having interest in becoming a lawyer. So our, our, our uh, show that we're really into now is Better Call Saul on AMC. <laughs> no, to, to, to be fair, she doesn't want to be a Saul Goodman type of lawyer, but just the whole, you know, legal profession. She, oh. her, 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 favorite, her favorite thing she did when, uh, when, when schools kind of uh, went all remote is join the mock trial team. So I, I think that was oh a great way to stay in, for her to stay engaged when uh, schools went all remote.
0: <laughs> I don't know that she's getting an accurate representation of the legal field.
1: <laughs> no, <counsel. laughs> no. But I, I, the more a- accurate representation uh, comes from my wife. She's an she's an investigator for one of the uh, law firms here and works on a lot of, you know, pretty serious cases. And so you you get an unvarnished and accurate look at the legal profession, but the the criminal justice profession uh, through, through that window. Okay. Sorry. I'm just like, wow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um,
0: So, well, I, last question for you is my, my get out of jail free, which is what didn't I ask you that I should have?
1: Ah, I don't know. Am I that interesting? I don't know. We'll see. Oh no! I mean, it's just, is there something that is With there the, something
0: we should have covered? Is there something that we we you know that we didn't cover that you think is worthy of sharing?
1: No, yeah. I, I mean, we could go on and talk about, about Clark County I, what, for a long, long time. You didn't ask me uh when I froze my butt off and got interrogated by the FSB in Russia when I was living over there.
0: I did not know. Well, let's okay, well, let's uh that's that's not a Washington story, but let, well I'll, I'll So I took I took a yeah. Go ahead, let's hear that. I want to hear it.
1: I took a little break. I I took a little break from, uh, uh, from sports writing and in 2001 and went on a Peace Corps uh, uh-huh. uh, service stint over uh, and uh, ended up in Siberia teaching English in a, um, a town of about 2,000 people, where uh, in the dead of winter, it got down to minus 42 degrees. Uh, so cold, if you can envision this, that uh, uh, frost would form on the inside of your windows, and so uh, you would uh, you wouldn't be able to look out and and see outside because you'd have a half of inch of uh, uh, ice on the inside of your windows.
0: Okay, I. Okay. And yeah, that's cold. That's, that's inhuman. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, what was it like there during the summer? It was nice, really
1: nice. Was it long, long days, yeah, um, but like how warm would it get during the summer? I you know, it would consistently get up to about 80. Oh, uh, We're okay. probably I was probably at the same degree north as probably Anchorage, Alaska is okay. Okay. and uh but the, the 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 difference being that Anchorage is right on the sea, uh where, where I was was if you look at a map of Russia and put your finger almost smack dab in the middle of the country, that's, uh, that's where I was, probably about a 100 miles from a, a large town called Krasnoyarsk. And so um, uh, there, it, when you're in the middle of the continent like that, you can get some, you know, you, you, you get real cold winters and somewhat warm summers.
0: Now, you mentioned you were being questioned. What, what happened there?
1: <laughs> they, they 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 just happened to put me not that far away from a uh, a, a military uh, area a, a closed city as they call them. Okay, and so um, this was you, know, you have to flash back to you know two thousand one two thousand two. This is where uh, Vladimir Putin started to really consolidate his power and mm-hmm. flex his muscle and sort of play on you know kind of a russian nationalist uh platform that we don't need uh we don't need anybody's help and so what are these americans doing over here teaching you know english and and other things to our you know subversive ideas to our our kids and so uh uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, there, I had to go down and do an extensive uh, uh, interview with the local FSB officer, uh, all in Russian. And I kind of look at that as that, that was my final exam for how, how I did uh, in learning the language. It's like, all right, go down and have a, go to the, the basement of the police station and, and uh, justify your existence here in Russian uh, to someone uh, someone from the security service. <laughs> OK, uh, needless to say, my yeah, uh, need, needless to say, within a few months, my uh, my visa was revoked and I was sent home. You were sent home. All right. Evidently, they didn't like me being in, in the area where I was. <laughs> OK. Wow.
0: Um, never
1: have I. But it allowed me to come back and and uh, join, uh, rejoin the paper and. You know, settle down and kind of been there, done that, and and uh, uh, you know realize the uh, the value of um, you know what's what's going on in, in in this side of the world after having uh, seen life on the other side of the world. Not that there weren't a lot of great things, and I think you find good people everywhere you go. Uh, you know, you you uh, yeah. I recently had a, a, a another experience where I joined a, a, a Clark County based group called Courts for Kids. And my daughter and I went to Dominican Republic to build a multi-purpose sports court in the Dominican Republic. And so uh, that, uh, like I said before, um, I, I I think it's a great value to go and interact with uh, other people and other cultures on their terms, eating what they eat, live uh, living where they live, walking where they walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I got, got to do that, uh, you know, earlier in my life and, and, uh, well, I continue to do that. That's know, great. Going forward.
0: That's, that's wonderful. Where can people find out more about you, more about your, your writing? Where's a good place for people to go and and look, you look your stuff up.
1: Well, if you want to see what we do, I I, I don't write as much as I used to. Um, I'm kind of more of a coordinator, planner, budget guy. Um, But if you want to see kind of, we go back to our hyperlocal coverage, obviously, columbian.com. You can see everything that we do. But if you want to see what we do and really focus on uh, uh, high school sports, 360preps.com.
0: 360preps? Prep as in
1: plural? Yep. 360, just like there yeah, code. preps is in Peru. 360, just like the area okay. code down here. Okay. Yep.
0: What's your involvement with that? Is that the, is that a Colombian site or is that.
1: That, that, that is the Colombian site. That's our homepage for high school okay. sports okay. coverage. Okay.
0: All right. What, uh, well, let me ask you this question. Uh, I'm going to close. I'm going to ask one last question. In your opinion, Clark County. What sport, on the on the boys' side and on the girls' side, each each side has a separate answer. What's the strongest
1: sport? Oh, football's been... Like when yeah. I grew up in Tacoma... Football has football's been very okay, strong. Football? Uh, All right, so what about on the girls' side? Volleyball. The uh, We had a state championship volleyball team at the 2A uh-huh. level okay. uh, from uh, Columbia River High School, and the team that they beat in the championship game, Ridgefield, uh, was... A two-time state champion before them, and in fact, the only games that uh, uh, each oh. of those teams lost last year were was to each other, and so uh, yeah, the, um, okay. Uh, the uh, The volleyball down here at the two A level is fabulous, and uh, you know you have uh, two talented teams, okay. a little bit of a rivalry going on there, and so uh, that's always a blast to cover. All right.
0: Yeah. No, volleyball is a great sport. I wish, I wish at the the high school level, they had boys volleyball. I wish there was a way of, and I know we've got to have equal sports on both sides. So I wish there was a way to add boys volleyball. Cause I loved playing volleyball when I was in college. Um, it's a great sport. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, Micah, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. I learned more about, well, I'll say Vancouver, but Clark County, I, I now have some street tacos to go check out, Excellent. which is, you know, I appreciate the recommendation and uh got got some coffee choices i think i need to go down to, to i think it's califax is is yeah. the name of it and i'll put it in the show notes but the, the siphon press there is just uh, a, a very cool thing and i haven't been to the waterfront so i'm gonna have to go check that out
1: definitely so, um, definitely check
0: that out yeah, thank you so much for taking the time
1: you're welcome good to yeah. talk to you
0: well thanks for being on